Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I have a conversation about the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters, because we believe that for those who are awake, we are living in and through the most impactful time in history. Your view of the world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Our intention is to provide you with ideas, nutritious food for thought, and some tools that you can use to help you in being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in. Enjoy. Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast. Stephanie, hello. Hey, hon. Okay, so we've got another cool show. You know, we're coming off of a show that we recently did in terms of intentions and setting powerful and clear intentions. That opens up another conversation as they all seem to link together. Uh, not surprised by that. But in this particular show, we're talking about trust. And there's a lot to kind of dial in or unpack in the word trust, how we're affected, how we set ourselves up to not be trusted unintentionally. And so let's just start to break things down. Trust is an interesting word, isn't it? Like I think about all the times where I've said, well, I trust you. Do you trust me? Well, I think I trust them. Do you trust the process? The word trust gets used and thrown out all over the place. And I think sometimes it can be a blind spot for people. So I'm really glad that we're digging into this today. Well, there's a fundamental that, you know, there's a presentation I do on a ongoing basis. I think I've done this on the podcast before and what I call the four dimensions of trust. And, and I want to expand on that. Now, the four dimensions of trust that I speak to is, you know, the first dimension being truth. We then, you know, look at somebody and I want, if you're listening to this, I want you to sit on both sides of the table and say, okay, you're into a relationship, you're into a business deal, you're into a conversation and you're, whether you're doing it consciously or subconsciously, you're assessing the level of trust with the person that you're sitting across from. Generally, somebody you don't know that well, but it could, in fact, depending on the conversation, be actually somebody that you do know. Having said that, on the other side, they're doing the same with you, okay? So let's just create that kind of picture in our minds of this conversation around trust as we talk about, and I'll explain the four dimensions, the first one being truth. So as you're sitting and having a conversation with somebody, you're actually assessing them consciously, subconsciously. And the first thing they're saying is, geez, are these people telling the truth? That's kind of a, probably a narrative that's running around in your head all of the time. Are they telling the truth? That's the first dimension of truth the, or trust. The next dimension of trust would be reliability. So somebody could be sitting across, they're having a conversation, they're actually telling the truth, but then you have to say, are they being reliable or can they be reliable? Will they do what they say they're going to do? And uh, can they pull it off? Are they going to show up on time, for example, because they said they would? The third dimension of trust is competency. Because somebody can be telling the truth, they can be reliable, they're going to do what they say they're going to do, they're going to show up on time, but do they actually have the competency to do what they say they're going to do? And this becomes an, a kind of a fundamental breakdown is that do they have the competency? You're assessing that. And then are they reliable in gaining the competency should they not have the competency in that context? So you start to see that truth, reliability, competency, and then the final one 
is accountability. So will they hold themselves accountable for whatever results that they get or not get, but will they take not only responsibility, but will they hold themselves accountable for the result, whether that be, you know, if it's a contractor, doesn't deliver, he says, you know, no problem, you know, something, the team screwed up, I screwed up, I miscalculated, no problem, I'll own that, and, you know, I'll own that, and I'll be accountable for that, in that I made the mistake, and therefore, you don't have to pay as much, and or I'm not charging you at all, and or we're making a correction. That's in the context of a contractor. So you follow along that? Do you want to expand on that at all? Well, I love that. It it kind of dovetails beautifully into the, you know, the the four agreements as well. But these four dimensions of trust, each one standing alone is really important. But when you put them all together, and if somebody or if myself or, or somebody that I'm doing business with hits all of those things, it's much easier to make decisions, especially when they're values-based decisions or values-based goals, or or maybe we don't know what's going to happen in the future because we rarely do. But if we want to take a leap of faith and those four boxes are ticked, it's much, I find it much easier to trust and re-educate or reconnect to my intuition and make decisions moving forward if those four boxes are, are ticked. Beautiful. When we talk about trust, when we look at the dynamics of trust, we gave that particular example. Now I'm going to add three more dimensions to the four dimensions of trust. So it's going to be seven. But along the way, we start to say, well, what is the breakdown of trust? You know, when somebody's not telling the truth, when somebody says that they're reliable and they're not reliable, when somebody says, I have the competency, but they really don't have the competency. And then on the accountability side, guess what? They say that they're accountable, but guess what? As soon as something goes wrong, what do they do? They blame, they complain, they make excuses. You know, it's the weather, it's the environment, it's somebody else's fault. My, you know, my staff didn't show up. There's all sorts of excuses. So on the accountability or the extreme ownership side of it, they drop the ball. Wow, it sounds like our current liberal government. <laughs> it sure does. Well, I think it sounds like most governments on any given day, but let's uh, not go down that path. That was an easy one to get me going down. Okay, so what else do you want to add on that? Because you know, when you think about when you're working with athletes, for example, and especially in a judged sport, I assume, and I got to imagine that there's lots of breakdown in the conversation around trust in a judge sport, like, and all the controversy of judges in any sport, but particularly figure skating has always been a controversial topic. Where can you expand or what would you add to this kind of, just based on what we talked about so far when it comes to trust? Wow, that's a, a really, really big topic. I mean, when it comes to trust in a judge sport, one of the hardest things to do is to teach or train an athlete to trust their training, yeah. to trust themselves, to trust who they are. Because truthfully, I don't think we can actually trust the judges, for example, because everybody has an agenda. And when you're judging something or someone, there's a reason you're a judge is because maybe you're somewhat a judgmental person. But the judges are fans. They're volunteers. They want to do a great job. They want to help the athletes, for example, in figure skating or in gymnastics or diving. So if the only concept or the only uh, conversation is I need to trust the judges to judge me fairly, well, we can't always do that because there's an agenda that drives their decisions. Yes, it could be aesthetic. It could be what they like, what they don't like. Are they from your country or are they not from your country? So if then if you put the blind faith or the blind trust in somebody else to give you your results, then it's really not going to give you the outcome that you want. 
So in my world, and in, in any clients, even my business clients, especially when you're in a situation where you don't really know the person, is that to trust, yes. But then, as my mama always said, tie up your camel. Do your due diligence. Make sure that you're still looking after what you have to look after. Don't abdicate. Because when somebody says, I trust you to do this, or I trust, sometimes there's an abdication thing that happens with that. So circling back to the athletes and judge sports is that to give the power away to the judges is not wise. But if you trust your training, you trust your coaches, you trust your environment, and eventually you trust yourself, then nobody, it doesn't matter what they say, what they do, what they tell you, what level of, of score they give, or right now we're seeing all over the place is, is forms of gaslighting where you're doing what you can and you're doing everything you can. They're telling you one thing, but then the results and the actions are different. So if we don't trust ourselves and, and if we don't start to peel away a lot of that judgment and fear of not fitting in or fear of not being liked or judged where I want to be, then we don't really have the the capacity to to grow. And that's where I think, you know, over the last little while, I've had to dust off my intuition because so many things I've trusted to be true in the past, I don't know, my whole life have turned out really not to be true. So dust off that intuition to begin to trust yourself again and then put yourself in an environment where you can trust others. Well, it's interesting. Again, you know, we come back to the change of the world, the change in the world since 2020. And ultimately, you know, it used to be, ah, do you really trust the government? No, not really. But now you ask that question, do you trust the government? The answer is absolutely not. And then you start to see the breakdown in trust overall of, you know, government and politicians and the way they do things. And I think that's all shifted, by the way. You know, there is the phrase, you know, in God we trust, but actually lock your doors. You know, in God we trust, but, you know, tie up your camel, take the keys out of your car. You know, those uh, those are all things that we start to understand and give different meaning to these days because it seems to be even more serious. You know, there's a saying that, you know, locks are to keep honest people honest. And, you know, given the opportunity, a door unlocks, somebody who's honest goes, eh, you know, they won't notice it. But if the door is locked, they're not going to break in. It's just that it becomes something of opportunity. So that's the breakdown in trust of just human nature. Then there's the breakdown in trust of what is happening with government. And then there's just the breakdown in trust of understanding what is going on in this world on a global macro scale that really leaves everybody kind of wondering what is going on, confused, uncertain. Now, that's a big kind of overview macro look. We enter the conversation there. We start to peel it down and get to some of the issues that I'd like to talk about. And you touched on it, but that is ultimately the need for people to be part of something. You know, there is a, you know, have a tribe, have a community, have a group of people that you're part of. Now, what does that have to do with trust? Well, what we find is that drive, and this is psychological kind of in behind the scenes, you know, based on research, is that psychologically and is that we need to be part of something. Now, we can all acknowledge that, I think, is that, yeah, it's psychological and yeah, there's data supporting it. But we know that when somebody shines a light on it goes, yeah, you need to be a part of something. Yes, you do. You realize that you need to matter in some form of a community, whatever that might be chosen family, direct family, some kind of work community, some kind of community community, you know, there's something that's going on there. But here's the fundamental where we start to go off the rails in the world of trust is, are we willing to stand alone when we're part of that community? Are we willing to take a stand 
be true to ourselves if we, for example, don't like a direction that someone or some organization is going, a direction that the community is going? Are we willing to stand alone or are we going to shift our values? Are we going to compromise our identity and who we really are to fit into that given tribe or that community? Now, when you do that, you can most often get away with it. But there's a fundamental breakdown in trust because there are those people who will see that, they'll identify that for what it is, and then you're breaking down trust. Forget about trust of yourself. You know what I mean? Can you trust yourself first and foremost? But then on the other side of it, if you're fitting into a community, you're not willing to take a stand. Hence, we break down trust. You want to expand on that? Yeah, I think there's a lot there. And I think when we talk about fitting in, it's a, it's a core human need is is to be accepted, to be, to fit in. Yeah. And I think that's why you saw so many people following through this whole pandemic where people just wanted to fit into a tribe of something. And they may have, in some regards, the people that I've spoken to have made decisions with themselves, their bodies, the decisions that they've made that maybe didn't align with their values, but it was more important for them to fit in to a tribe or to a group of people that were that they felt they were accepted by than it was to maybe do a little bit of critical thinking, stand alone in the light of their own truth, and then be willing to take the hits of whatever whatever happened. I know I know a few people who've done that and who in their world, you know, in a short term lost big time, whether it was relationships or jobs or friends, family, community. It it was horrible. But you know what they had is they had their integrity. And that's what I love the the connection between trust and integrity. And when the line, you know, we used to use a lot in our in our work together um, that we learned from Michael and Andrea Reynolds was, can you stand in the light of your own truth? Can you be on that rock in the middle of a rushing river and just stay true and take the hits and watch the watch the drama go by and then be okay with the result and the fallout of standing in the trust and the light of your own truth? And when we do that, potentially there's a new tribe that finds us. Maybe we don't always feel the rejection fully from the people that maybe we've disagreed on. Think about a uh, maybe a, a religious or a political or not just this health stuff that's going on is that when we take a stand for something, we have to be willing to take the, and to make the the decision to honor ourselves and trust ourselves and our gut and our intu intuition, and then be willing to be misunderstood and maybe not included anymore. And when you think about it back in the, when we were, you know, back in the day is if you weren't a part of a community and you were shunned, then there, it could mean imminent death. You could mean you starve. It could mean you were protected. So when somebody was out there on their own, it was very different than it is today. And I think, but on some level, we still have that cellular memory. So when we break down trust, you know, we look at always the conversation we continue to have, which is around supporting people and helping people kind of get true to their values or even understanding what their values are. And, you know, there is a, you know, there, there's a, a phrase that says, you know, trust is our integrity. And when you start to understand the importance of trust and how easily lost or gained it is, even in the most subtle ways, it does change perhaps how you even operate and how you really can stay true to yourself. And in staying true to yourself, you don't ever have to worry about being trusted because this is who you are. People are going to be okay with that or they're not going to be okay with that. To your point, standing in your truth. So let's give a, you know, I'm going to keep boiling down a couple of examples. And one that showed up for me 
is, you know, the, I don't know, the employer that calls that, you know, the boss calls his right-hand person or her right-hand person in the office goes, we have an issue of trust. There's a breakdown in trust in the conversations that we have. And the person sitting across the desk goes, well, what are you talking about? I don't ever take our conversations outside of our office. We have these conversations. They go nowhere. And the employer or the boss, the partner, whoever looks across and says, that's true, but you bring those conversations into this office. So in other words, that goes back to if one of our values and we try and stay very true to it, which is no gossip, and we don't share insights and information that we have. Because, you know, when we look at some of our coaching programs with a shift or think tank or incubator and all things that we've been doing, we're getting very, I guess, personal, intimate conversation. We can't have those conversations outside. And those clients need to trust 100% that this is just a conversation between us. It's absolutely got nothing to do with anybody else. But some people elevate themselves by having information of others. So that particular instance is that, yeah, no, you're not taking this conversation outside of the office, but you're bringing other conversations in that are none of my business and that you should not be sharing with me. So there's a breakdown of trust. But on one side of it, you go, well, no, we're in this together and like, we're okay to do that. No, we're not okay to do that. If your highest value or if the stand that you take is no gossip, that means no gossip. I mean, we don't even gossip you and I between each other. You tell me stuff or we'll have a conversation in front of somebody that thinks you should, well, you, you talked to Patrick about it, right? Uh, no, no, I didn't. And I'm looking going, what the hell are you talking about right now? You guys never talk to me. So that's the joke because we don't talk that way with each other. And it's an interesting value that we hold, which is, I don't, you don't need that information about your client, Joe. Like, I don't need it. You don't need to share it. It's not actually yours to share. So those are kind of some of the stands that we take that I guess, is our stand around trust. Yeah, and I think what that brings up for me is there's times when we go back to the four dimensions of trust that you were talking about is that that when you've made a mistake or maybe you know you have shared something inadvertently or done something that where are you accountable? Can you can you take ownership of of being that way and saying, you know, I screwed up. I shouldn't have said that to somebody or I I misspoke or I had didn't have the information that I had and I apologize. So that is a way of aligning with your own truth and with your own level of trust. But then when you have screwed up or made a mistake and that person doesn't acknowledge or they just say, well, you know, you're obviously, a, you know, you lack integrity. I said, well, no, I don't know if that's the integrity piece is that information has changed. And now I am trying to make amends or I'm trying to be accountable for what I said. And I was wrong. And when you can stand in that truth as well, there's a good chance that you're going to be standing alone literally in that when people will, and some are very, you know, I think in, in the world of business, um, it depends on what the outcome or the consequent was of that mistake, but there still is that place of being able to trust yourself enough to take responsibility for what you did, what you said and own it, and then take the hit on that side as well. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, uh, it's Brene Brown that uses the term or the phrase is that integrity is doing what is right. And that what is right for you, like what is right, what is true to your values? Integrity is living true to your values, not doing what is comfortable and easy. In other words, sometimes when you stand alone, you really are going against the, I guess, going against the grain, you know, not agreeing with a community is tough to do when you've got 
you know, tens or hundreds or whatever, dozens of other people going, no, you're wrong. And you start to question it and you have to be prepared to stand in your own truth for what you believe in. Now, this came up for me recently in, of course, all the controversy around, you know, LGBTQ, all the numbers and letters and the, you know, the, the trans movement and what's going on. And I'm looking at it. I'm going, I, this is making me nuts, you know, like. And not just because we're old. And not just because we're old. You know, I always go back to the fundamental is that here's my belief. Eight billion people on this earth, they all came out of the womb of a woman or a mother, whatever you want to call it. However you evolve, however you want to look at that thereafter. And, and let's make no mistake. I mean, we know we have, you know, gay friends. Like we're, it's not that we're against any of that. Like there's nothing I don't really, I, I'm good with it all. But what I'm not okay with is when it's being forced on me, which seems to be what is happening. Now, I'll go off on a little bit of a tangent. You know, where do we trust? Where do we start to take a stand? You know, there's one side of it that says, trust the science. That whole comment and conversation and that new phrase became trust the science. And that worked because it accommodated those who were, you know, pushing the COVID narrative and the lockdowns and all the rest of it. Now, don't need to get any deeper than that in that conversation. But now what we have is that trust the science doesn't seem to apply when it comes to genetics. Got it. Even that I can live with. What I can't live with is the fact that I'm being forced or it's being driven down my throat or I'm being made wrong to go, sorry, guys, I call bullshit on this. And I, I, I do trust the science of genetics and I do trust the science of uh, male and female. And I just can't and I can't agree with what they're doing in terms of how they're setting it up for children. You know, the joke was a great joke. Funny, but not funny, which was, you know, a guest on whatever talk show, you know, they just had a baby and, you know, Conan or whoever it was says, so, you know, uh, did you have a boy or a girl? And the guest looks at him and goes, yeah, we haven't decided yet. We're going to wait until uh, they're 16 and they can let us know what they want to be. That's and, so sad. And it is sad that that was both funny and not funny. And so the point is, is that when we stand, when we take a stand for that, and I have no problem claiming that stand and you get trashed for it, I'm sure, maybe, I don't care, quite frankly. But the point is, is that that's an example of, are you willing to take a stand? And so that's where I come from. You know, there's a quote that really I speak, I think speaks to this, which is hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Now, where does this apply? And I think, I love that quote. It really has kind of reared its head in the past three or four years, but it is because of where our government has gone to the and I know I trash government all the time. I just do because that's where they've come to. And the reality of, of it is, is that weak men create hard times. And politicians in their drive to be elected, this is my view of the world, politicians in their drive to be elected are not willing to take a stand. Now, a few are. A few politicians are primarily in the U.S. and only because it's become well known. I'm, I, I align with what DeSantis, and I don't follow him that close. But you look at what he's doing in Florida, and I'm going, there's a whole different world. And there's a guy who's willing to make hard decisions. Now, he's a politician, and he's still, you know, often politics over policy. But when I look at what's happening in many countries, including Canada, this is about 
politicians, weak men who are not willing to take a stand because they're afraid that they're not going to get elected and they're appeasing to those masses that they believe are going to get their vote. It's like Budweiser beer, believing that, okay, we better put a trans individual on a beer can because that's who we want to speak to. And I'm going, what? Like, how does that even make any sense? Now, this is not about that. That is, it's a very controversial topic. It's a hot topic. It's all the things. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the ability and the willingness to take a stand for what you, or what is your truth. For me, my truth is I trust the science called biology. I trust the science called men, women. I trust the science that we are all born from uh, the womb of our mothers. And that's kind of where I'm at. And beyond that, if people want to take it off in something else, blow your brains out, go crazy. I don't really care. Just don't force me to buy into that narrative or make me wrong for not buying that narrative, which is what's happening in many of the women's sports where, you know, somebody, you know, some guy who placed 400th on a men's team of something, you know, wins a women's competition where women have actually worked for years and years to be the best in the world in a category called a women's event. So this is, you know, I, you can see I get a little bit fired up about that, but it all comes back to the breakdown of integrity of individuals who are not willing to take a stand. I go back to it, weak men create hard times. And that's what I think part of what we're living through right now. Okay, big rant, it's over. No, it's great. I, I, I get it. I have a sensitivity to it as well because we have friends and family who are gay and you know, a relative that could be trans or whatever, we don't know. But that's not the issue. The issue no. is, I mean, my friends who are in the community are offended by this. They're offended by what's happening to women's in, in women's sport. They're offended by how they're being used as a community to push a narrative that is so dehumanizing and, and humiliating. So how do you trust yourself? How do you trust someone who is literally looking at a human being and and not acknowledging that that is what they're seeing is true? And that's back to the gaslighting conversation is that we are being told so many things that and to not to trust your lion eyes, you know, don't trust yourself. Trust me, trust the science that I'm telling you. We're seeing what we're seeing in front of our eyes and then we're being told something completely opposite. So that trust, that self-trust gets eroded. So when we get to that place of erosion in, in our own self, it's very difficult to stand alone. It's like, well, you know, all those people that, you know, pressed a certain button. And <laughs> I saw a study that uh, in a doctor's office where a bunch of actors were in there and every time the bell rang, they stood up and then one person wasn't in the study. And by about the 10th or 11th time, this person didn't know why, but she stood up too. Uh -huh. Right. So there's group think that happens. And then she's like, I don't, she's like, why are people, this makes no sense. But to go along to get along, right? G O G A, gaga, go along to get along is that how do you, how do you then unpack or how do you walk back what you know to be true? And then maybe you've taken some action in your life that you don't align with. And then you have to defend that. So Really, when it comes down to it, I think what we have to be able to do is be vulnerable enough with ourselves to say, you know what, here's my truth. I do not agree with men on any level, whether they're trans or straight or gay or whatever. To be competing in women's sport is wrong. You know, I have, I'm in ice dance. 
What I love about ice dance is when you have a podium, you have three men, three women, gay, straight, black, maybe non-binary, Asian, cultural differences, religious differences. They're all from different countries on the podium. So it is inclusive sport in the world, yet figure skating is being disseminated and told that now two men can say it together, two women can skate together. I don't disagree with that because I think it creates more opportunity. But when it's being used, when it's being used to make people wrong or used to 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 cram an agenda down someone's throat, that's what I don't agree with. And that's where I'm willing to stand in the light of my truth and say, I'm already in the most inclusive sport in the world. I Our businesses have been the most inclusive. But do you think I'm going to put an ESG statement on my web sh- website? No way, because that is against my values. It's not true for me. I've been doing, I've had gay, straight, black, Asian, indigenous uh, men, women in our companies for the last 30 years. We didn't have to put a flag up and we didn't have to put it on our website. So but now that we do, it's like, well, how do I trust that the people that are coming to me or that want to work for me have the merit and have the skills and the competency back to your four dimensions that are doing what is best for themselves and what's best for the country and what's best for the clients? We've removed meritocracy out of this. So I'm really, now I'm fired up because I am in an inclusive sport and I am a fully loving and inclusive person. And the fact that we're being told that we're not and that I'm a racist is insulting. Okay. So let's go back to what the point of the podcast is, which is not to you know state our opinions and go off on rants. It really is to say that in these times that we're being tested, you know, when we talk about mindset matters, mindset really matters. And the more we understand about ourselves, when the more we understand what drives some of these kind of issues, if you will, uh, the more that we can be, you know, not drawn into it, the more confident we can be in taking our stand. You know, one of the fundamentals that we know to be true is that we need to be part of a community and people are willing to compromise their own values to be part of that community. Whether it's one, two, 10 or 10,000 people, they are ready and willing to compromise their values to actually, you know, to be part of that community. Ultimately, when we look at, you know, how we view what's happening in the world today, we have to break it down and start to realize that it is going to be sometimes challenging to stand alone, to actually go, no, I don't agree with that, you know, your values are your values. I don't need to be right. I just want you to know I don't agree with that. I can't go down that path. I can't stand and support you because it's not in alignment with who I am and what I want to be known for. So how do you do that? You know, when you go back to being willing to stand alone and being able to disagree and argue. And and when we had our um, Ask Us Anything podcast, that was one of the things is how do you do this ever fight? Do you ever disagree? And of course we do, because we don't have the same values on everything. We don't have the same opinions on everything. Mm-hmm. No different than in a business deal. So somebody, let's say I have a client that's listening to this podcast right now, and they have a strong opinion opposite to mine. And maybe we've had a 10, 20, 30 year relationship. And all of a sudden they're searching for something that I say, or you say that they disagree with. They're searching for it. Now Now I no longer trust her. That's the thing. That's the one thing that she said or he said, now I don't have to trust her anymore. And people will walk away from historical relationships because they're seeking that one thing that they disagree with instead of going, oh, I, t- 
Why? I didn't know she felt that way. That's interesting. Let's dig into that. I want to find out more. And yes, it may trigger me or may, may, um, or them or whomever. But where did the conversation go? Everything's so cut off is that then, of course, I'm, I, I must not trust myself. I mean, I just said something. I thought we had a relationship. I thought we built trust over the last 8, 10, 5, 15 years. And now this one thing that I say you don't agree with, and now we're cutting off the relationship. I think that's what people are most afraid of, especially right now. It's being heightened. And that's what scares me a lot about this conversation. Yeah. And so when we look at all of this is to step back, realize again, the psychology of it, the mindset to get through it means that we sometimes to what Brene Brown would talk about is we have to be willing to stand in the arena and to get dirty, to be that person that stands alone and is able to and willing to walk away from any given moment in time to say, no, that's not who I am. And this is being brave in that regard. Now, beyond the four dimensions of trust and this conversation, as much as it's been going off on seemingly lots of tangents, it always comes back to trust. Can we trust ourselves? How do we show up so that people can trust us? And one of the other dimensions to the four that I wanna to add to this is called boundaries. And boundaries are so incredibly important to have and to make sure that you're willing to ask what the boundaries are if those boundaries aren't clear and or what are your boundaries? So give you an example, we had some friends, they were visiting, they were sitting with uh, some friends that they hadn't seen for a while. They got connected. They have different views of the world when it comes to the vaccination protocol. We'll just use that. We'll stop there in that example. And they totally disagreed. And the boundary was, listen, I love you. You've been a friend forever. I just can't go down that path with you. I can't have this conversation with you. That became a boundary. Now they enjoyed the rest of the evening. They drank wine, they ate food. Because aside from that particular issue, which was a boundary, they couldn't agree. So they set the boundary, they didn't cross the boundary, and neither of them or the group of them did not make each other wrong for having those boundaries. It just was a place that they went, doesn't matter what your view is, doesn't change the relationship given what we do together or what we don't do together. It's just, that's a boundary. Let's not go there because we're not gonna align. We can agree to disagree. And then that was it. But the point is, boundaries was part of what drives trust. That's amazing when you think about boundaries and where that can take relationships, because you can still be in a relationship with somebody you disagree with when you know what the other person's boundary is. What I've discovered over the last couple of years, maybe in the last 10, 15 years with people that I've kind of trusted, like trust first, then verify kind of thing, I should have verified first, is that when you're one way with a certain group of people and you're another way with another group of people, it's very difficult. So not only that does the trust with yourself get eroded, but then let's say, for example, you end up at a party or at a restaurant and you see that person who is a certain way with you being a completely different way with another group of people. So where I lose trust is I go, well, wait a sec, which one are they? Which one is he? Which one is she? Because if he or she is with me and they're acting certainly this way, are they trying to impress me? Are they trying to, to um, live into my values? Because what is true for them? Right. And that to me is very, very obvious when it comes down to, to boundaries is that are you willing to be the same person in every situation that you're in? I mean, we had a couple stay with us years ago that we'd met in Mexico on vacation and they ended up coming and staying with our home, staying with us at our home uh, for three or four days. And I remember coming, coming upstairs and having breakfast with us and having coffee saying, 
you know, I think you're the only people that we've ever met on vacation who are exactly the same at home <laughs> as you were on vacation. And to me, that is a, the foundation of trust because we, for me, we're in, in integrity. We don't go on vacation to be somebody that we're not. But when we invite people to our home, we're the exact same. We have to be, because I think about in my coaching practice is that if I'm not myself, in my, if I'm not doing the work, if I'm not true to who I am, and then that client sees me in a different environment and I, I'm acting different, how do they trust anything I say? Exactly. Okay. So that is an interesting one, isn't it? Because a lot of people go on vacation to escape their life. And so they get on vacation and they don't show up who they are because that's an escape from who they are. So that's a different conversation. But again, that speaks to the integrity and that is the actual third or second, that would be the fifth now dimension, sixth dimension that I'm adding, which is integrity, you know, uh, and that is choose what is right not what is comfortable or easy. And what is right is staying true to who you are, staying true to your values. So in the dimensions of trust, uh, integrity has to be added to that list. And, you know, we're winding down, but if you've got anything that you want to add to that? Well, I think the word integrity, it comes up so often in different definitions. I mean, I've, I've heard you, I've heard people say, Patrick's out of integrity. Well, all you've done is change your mind or you've gotten more or, or you're out of integrity in this and out of integrity. And we can, all these people are saying that I'm out of integrity or she's out of integrity. You can't be out of integrity with anyone but yourself. <laughs> I can't say somebody that's made a new decision, have gotten more information, et cetera, and have made a different choice. Maybe that I don't agree with. I can't say they're out of integrity. That's BS. <laughs> that to me is a deeply rooted belief system that is that has to change because people get more information as we grow, as we learn, as we be, as we know more, we do better. And I can only be in integrity with myself. So if I've made a mistake, if I've screwed up and I don't take responsibility for it, then I'm out of integrity with myself. Yes. That's all it can be. Somebody once got in a debate and I'm going to go down a path really quickly, which was, yeah, but there's different definitions of integrity. What about structural integrity? I go, well, yeah, you know, like he, you know, he gets into this whole conversation. What about a bridge? Because if there isn't structural integrity, it breaks down. Yes, understood. The bridge could only be out of integrity with itself. And yes, when it's not and it doesn't have the structural integrity, it will in fact break down. As human beings, when we break down, when our integrity breaks down, it is this, our structure that actually collapses. So that's where we run into a problem. So I don't want to go too much deeper into that, but I just wanted to bring that up because it seems I think we should do a whole podcast on that word. Yeah, maybe we should. Okay. And finally, what we the, the last one that we'll add, which is number seven, which I think is important as well, is generosity. And I think that, you know, in the world of trust, generosity is really important. And generosity doesn't mean writing a check, although it could. It means to me generosity is being generous with your thoughts, your time, uh, your empathy, your compassion. There's a lot of ways to be generous that doesn't mean financial. It's your time. It's your wisdom. That's being generous. I believe this podcast, given we don't really have an agenda around the podcast other than to have these conversations and share some food for thought with uh, as many people as we possibly can, to me, that's being generous in terms of our own willingness to uh, get mucky and messy and to uh, trip along and figure out how to, uh, you know, create a community around mindset and mindset matters. So uh, generosity, I think, is important. Anything you want to add to that? Well, I love that word. Um, I've been known to be overly generous in some ways, and that's where also where trust can live. 
if if you're being generous with an agenda or being generous with thinking that you're going to get something back, that doesn't work. We've all made mistakes or I've made mistakes in that regard and not understanding that, that you know, what the expectation is there an expectation of the of, of a certain action or a result of the generosity. For me, when I hear the word generous, I hear generous of spirit, generosity of space. Are you an open heart? Are you a giving person? Because like you've said in the past is that for us, giving and receiving is the exact same thing. You can't give without receiving. But when you block it with an expectation or an agenda, then all of those seven dimensions of trust just get shattered. Disappear. Okay. That was an interesting podcast because in the background, we had barking dogs, we had technology and all the rest of it. But having said all of that, folks, if you like this particular podcast, if you like our show, please like, subscribe. And if you want to know a little bit more about what we do in the world called Shift, Setting Honest Intentions for Transformation, you go down to the description and click in the link in the description. Find out a little bit more if you're interested in examining some of our other programs. Stephanie, thank you very much. Thanks, Ed. That was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.